Hello and welcome to Talking Property with CBRE, a podcast in which our team of experts, our clients and industry specialists share insights into the way that we live, work and invest through the lens of commercial real estate. My name is Kate Bailey, Director of Research in the Pacific, and I'm your host for today's episode. Today, we're talking about a very topical issue, construction costs. How high will they go? How are developers managing increases? And what is the outlook for the Australian economy? To help me unpack this topic, I'm joined today by Carlos Cacho, Australian Chief Economist at Jardin. Jardin is a leading investment and advisory group offering a range of investment products and services to clients operating in wholesale and retail markets in Australia, New Zealand, and around the world. And Richard Hume, Victoria State Director of Project Management at CBRE Pacific. Thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Kate. Thanks, Kate. Good to be with you. Well, costs in construction have spiked in recent months driven by inflation, economic stimulus and supply chain challenges. The increase in construction costs is putting pressure on a development pipeline, margins and timelines. Carlos, to start, could you provide a bit of an overview around what challenges you see facing the economy and how these are impacting on construction costs? I think the thing with construction costs is we've seen both demand and supply dynamics playing in there. On the demand side, we need to realise how unprecedented this surge in in home construction around Australia is at the moment. In a normal year, we build maybe 110,000 detached houses in Australia. In 2021, 150 detached houses started construction. On top of that, we had over 120,000 applications for the Home Builder Stimulus Program through late 2020 into 2021. And if you go back further before that, we also had the bushfires, which not only destroyed houses, but also impacted the supply of lumber through some key plantations. So there's been a, a range of factors. And then you add on the supply side, we've had these global supply chain disruptions. Shipping costs are up in some cases 10 times. So there's there's a range of forces here at play on both sides, which are really making it very, very challenging for the construction sector. And then you add to that the fact that governments are trying to stimulate demand by spending on infrastructure and the pipeline of total construction across the economy is at a record level. So, And that was before we even had the floods. So it's really just the, the odds are really stacked up against the construction sector from both the demand and supply side. And it's a very challenging environment. You know, it started off being mostly timber and steel um, earlier in the piece. And now um, at the data we get from the ABS that I look at, you know, it's really broadened out to pretty much any item in, in construction is seeing pretty decent double-digit increases, which is making things very challenging for both developers, for builders, for home purchasers, really everyone involved in the sector. Yeah, it sounds like a, a bit of a perfect storm at the moment, really. And and Rich, from your perspective, what's some of the impacts of, of these rising costs been on developers? And do you think that it's going to alleviate anytime soon? 12 months, I think, at least, at the moment. But when we're talking developers, I think... Um, I'm also referring to our clients in general. So developers are only one part of the industry, but our clients are feeling it right across all sectors. So whether it's residential or commercial, whether it's the occupiers or the investors, whether it's schools, hospitals, they're all feeling the same thing. So I'll be talking from a perspective, all clients out there, not just developers. From an overall perspective and what we've collected in the last 12 months is a 10 to 30% increase in construction costs across the board. 
And as I said before, we think that's going to go for another 12 months. Certain materials are worse hit than others. We've seen ranges of 20% of increases right up to 400% increases. The key ones are steel, concrete, timber, plasterboard, aluminium, copper, and when you're doing fit-outs and that sort of thing, technology particularly has been very heavily affected. The escalation component in a quantity of surveyor's estimate, who normally put budgets together, that increase has gone up 50%. So that's what the industry moves in that time. We've just recently tendered a $400 million new build, and that escalation figure, just in this year alone, has increased for a project of that size from $5 million to $9 million. So we're seeing a huge increase in costs. The big impacts are the material cost increases, the skilled labour shortage is probably the biggest issue, subcontractors and builders coverage out in the industry. Builders and subcontractors are only pricing for real projects, which is affecting tender results and the appetite for risk. So builders at the moment aren't generally aren't providing fixed pricing across the board. They're not responding to tight programs. So there's a, a huge impact. And it's mainly due to the supply chain disruption, the transportation bottlenecks, the war, rising inflation and labour shortages. Off the back of that then, are they changing any plans or changing around materials to try and combat any of these increases in costs? Uh, definitely. You know, most builders and subcontractors, designers and clients, they're all aware of the current environment. So they're all responding at the moment. There's two types of projects out there at the moment. There's the projects that were committed pre-pandemic, so projects that have been going for two years and those builders have had to respond and clients have had to respond in a different way to the projects that are currently being planned and procured at the moment. They're completely different. So the poor developer and the poor builder that signed up to fixed prices pre-pandemic are the ones that are really struggling at the moment. You know, they're struggling with subcontractor attendance on site, builders that have taken on fixed prices and taken on the risk of escalation and they've had to wear that over the last two years, that 10 to 30% that I spoke about. There's been extensions of time because trades just aren't turning up to site or um, there's just a real shortage of skilled talent and what's happening. So these builders are generally running late, they're generally losing money because they've had to absorb all that in the last two years uh, and it's a really tough environment for those projects underway. And we're seeing clients and builders where they're taking a reasonable middle ground where both you know, are giving a bit and, and arriving at, at reasonable sharing of that pain. For example, it might be an extension of time without cost to a builder, things like that. And then there's the projects that are being planned, as I said, at the moment, and um, they're being delivered in a completely different way. Different budgets are being set at the moment, the quantity of surveyor, are building in that 10 to 30% escalation into their numbers. So that affects the feasibilities. And then all the design consultants are also being much more careful on how they design their buildings. Uh, they're avoiding or dealing with those lead time pressures and the cost pressures on those certain type of materials. And the good smart developers and the smart designers are all addressing it in that sort of early stage of planning. So definitely seeing changes in the way we deliver projects and that's just going to continue for another 12 months. Yeah. Carlos, 
you sort of touched on that big boom that we've seen in the amount of residential construction starts over the past 12 months. And you know, obviously, bill prices are going up, interest rates are going up, debt's getting harder to source. What's your sort of outlook on the domestic housing sector? Look, it's, it's a challenging outlook, to say the least. When we look at the housing market, we really think the key underlying driver all comes back to interest rates. They determine how much people are able to borrow and ultimately how much they're able to pay for housing. And with the RBA likely hiking the cash rate through this year to at least 2.5%, maybe higher, that's going to have a big impact on how much people can borrow. We estimate that's probably going to see borrowing power reduced in the vicinity of around 20 to 25%. And we, we're forecasting at the moment that's going to see house prices fall around 15 to 20% nationally, which would be the largest correction since the 1980s for housing construction. It's important to remember that really the new housing is basically a substitute for existing housing. You know, as, as a buyer, you've got a choice between buying an existing home or, or buying a new home, whether it's a, a new built apartment or, or a house and land package out in, in the outer suburbs. And so if existing housing becomes materially cheaper, that's going to mean pe- what people are willing to pay for new housing or the attractiveness of new housing is, is going to change as well. And so we do expect that we are going to see um, quite a pullback in, in building um, construction and particularly approvals over the next um, 12 to 18 months. As, uh, as Richard said, it's going to take a while to flow through. If we look at the total amount of work outstanding, the pipeline of residential construction work, we've currently got a, a record high pipeline there. It's worth, on our estimates, about 10 to 12 months of current activity levels. So it's not going to be until this time next year that that pipeline starts running out. And so, you know, the industry is not going to face the the pinch right away, but we're starting to see some of the leading indicators suggesting that's going to come down. And that slowdown is probably going to last into um, into 2024, uh, we think at the earliest, just given the lags between building approvals and actual construction activity, particularly for those larger high-rise projects, which are, you know take a long time going from land acquisition to concept and design and sales and approval and, and actually doing the work on the ground. So we do expect it's going to be, um, be a while that we see a bit of softness through the construction sector. But importantly, I guess to note, on the other hand, you do still have a lot of government infrastructure work, a lot of government investment going on. So there are still going to be some areas of strength. And we're seeing it now, not just residential construction driving the current demand, but also areas of non-residential construction that Richard touched on there, commercial building, you know, hospitals, health, education, offices, etc. So there are going to be other pockets that, that can offset some of that weakness we expect on the residential side. They're much less sensitive to interest rates than resi construction is. Yeah. And look, you know, Rich did touch on staff shortages as well. And and we know that unemployment's at sort of a 50 year low or so. A lot of businesses are are struggling to find staff, especially the construction sector. What's your sort of outlook on this? And and do you think it's going to be resolved anytime soon? Yeah, look, it's absolutely a massive issue. The labour shortages across the economy, we've got unemployment at three and a half percent. You have to go back to the 70s to find a lower unemployment rate than that. In the recent NAB survey, 90% of firms were saying labour availability is a constraint on their production. The only thing that they're worried about more than the uh, the labour shortages is actually the cost of labour. So that's the only thing that's higher on their lists of concerns at the moment. So it is it is a real big challenge. It is important, though, to remember that, you know, 
That strength in the labor market is also a positive for the economy. We're running strong. Yes, inflation is, is a challenge. We've got supply chain issues, rising rates. So it's, it's a challenging environment. But the strength in the labor market is likely to be a, a key source that, you know, of strength that supports the consumer through this challenging time. In terms of how this gets resolved, look, it's, it's going to take a combination of, of demand and supply. We do expect that as interest rates go up and, and consumers pull back and we see construction moderate, there will be a bit of a moderation in the demand for labor. But also, um, we've got to remember that borders have been closed for the last two years. And so the working age population in Australia is about 400,000 less than it would have been if we'd continued at the pre-COVID rate of growth. So we've got a lot less people here. We've had a massive boom in demand. And so that reopening of borders is also going to help a little bit. Now, we're not expecting migration to snap back to where it was right away. I'm sure you're aware of all the headlines around visa delays. I spoke with some migration agents recently who say it's taking about six to eight months to get a visa approved at the moment. Pre-COVID, that was two to four weeks. And so migration is coming back, but it's probably going to be a little bit slower than we hope. But we hope uh, that as we're getting into 2023 and beyond, we should see that steady stream of skilled migrants coming back into Australia and helping to alleviate those labour supply shortages and bringing those highly needed skills that we need for so many areas, whether it's areas like tech or engineering, construction, as you've mentioned. You know, there's, there's, there's really severe skill shortages in a lot of these areas that can't be fixed just with um, domestic training in the short term. God, that's a huge number, 400,000. It's um, pretty remarkable, just that amount of migration flow that Australia has been getting the last couple of years and how important that is to helping us progress and move forward. Rich, what advice are you giving your clients at the moment? And, you know, particularly those that might be in the early stages of planning a development, what are you sort of telling them? I think being able to adapt to the current environment is an obvious statement but it's not an easy solution. I mean, selfishly, you know, if a client or a developer doesn't have the internal capability or the internal resources and knowledge of what's going on, engage an external project manager, which is exactly <laughs> what we do, who, who is working in the environment the whole time. He knows the best players in the market. But the most important thing, which I've always said on project delivery, is you've got to do the work and the prep up front. The more you do up front, the more effort you put in to setting the project well up front, the more chances you will have of a successful delivery. And that's choosing the right consultants, choosing the right delivery methodology, and to spend the time up front getting the design documentation correct and, and the project will not run itself or it'll be a much more smooth process. If you have to build in the next 12 months, allow enough time to adopt alternative procurement methods. Probably one of the key issues there is engaging with the market, engaging with industry players early. So there's what's called the early contractor involvement or engagement. So currently with the design, you start engaging with builders, subcontractors and suppliers to make sure that the design that you're developing incorporates the right material selection, the right design to minimise the exposure with all those challenges that we've just mentioned. And if you're lucky enough to have that that time to do it, that early engagement is critical. They're probably the main things. As I mentioned, that delivery method, that's very, very important. So probably the biggest difference is that developers and clients aren't necessarily going with a traditional, fully documented delivery approach. It's more open book these days where 
where a builder gets involved early, advises them maybe even on a fee and helps develop the design. And that evolves into a sort of an open book arrangement where builders aren't pricing in excessive risk for labour shortages, availability and that escalation that I'd mentioned. So it's really working with the market, engaging consultants who know what they do and managing it properly from the start. Now, probably my main areas of uh, recommendation. Yeah, some solid advice there. Carlos, to finish us off today, get the crystal ball out. What is your outlook on the Australian economy over the next couple of years? Look, my, my ball's a little bit foggy uh, at the moment, <laughs> but suffice to say, look, it, it's a challenging outlook in the near term. We've got probably the, the most aggressive pace of rate hikes we've seen in at least 30 years, the highest level of inflation in decades. Um, you know, a lot of pressures on family and, and household budgets with those two factors in particular, particularly the fact that a lot of that inflation is driven by essentials. You know, it's driven by food, fuel, rent, electricity, areas of spending we can't really avoid. But it's also important to realise that the starting point is strong. You know, as we discussed, we've got the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. We currently have the, um, surprisingly, given all the challenges, we've got the best outlook for business investment we've seen in more than 10 years with, with really strong growth in um, investment intentions, not just in construction, but also in, in equipment and in um, and software and other areas. And while house prices in construction are going to probably fall materially ahead, we've got to remember we've just come off a record boom. You know, house prices had the fastest, strongest boom we've seen over the last two years. So yes, they're coming down, but the economy is coming from a real place of strength as we go into this. And at some stage, we're going to see easing again from the RBA. So our expectation is that probably by the second half of 2023, we're going to see rate cuts from the RBA. And that's going to put a bit of a floor and a bit of support underneath the housing market. It's going to help household budgets, help people afford to borrow a bit more and probably uh, set us on a bit more of a, an even keel. Mm. Okay, that's something to, something to look forward to back after 2023 then. That's fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. That has been a, a really fantastic discussion and I've got a lot out of it, Rich, particularly around you know costs that have staying elevated for the next 12 months and, and Carlos, some great insights on the economy there, particularly around migration as well. So thank you both for your time. Thanks for listening to Talking Property with CBRE. If you like the show and want to check out more, visit www.cbre.com.au backslash talking property or subscribe through Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also read our full report on construction costs by clicking the link in our show notes. Until next time.